Hello, hello. Welcome. It is that time of the week where we discuss all things pets. Daniel Carrington, we haven't seen you in a month? Yes, something like that. Actually, I think it's two months because I missed last oh, month. Oh, you did too. You're on yeah, holidays, you cheeky I know. <laughs> well, it's lovely to have you. What are we chatting about today? Well, we, there's an event happening at Maitland. Oh, excellent. Dogs in the Park. So we're going to talk to Chris about this event. That sounds excellent. Mm. And Dr. Paul, welcome back Thank to you. Thank you very much, Sarah. And what are we looking at today, Paul? So there's been an outbreak of kennel cough in our local area, Ooh. so we're going to talk a bit about that today. Joined by Daniel Carrington. And Daniel, there is an event. There's an event. There's an Yay! Event. I but- know, we haven't had many doggy events throughout COVID, have we? I know, so it gets a little bit exciting it when is. there's events happening again. We're yearning to attend these doggy events. We really are, in a COVID-safe environment, of course, but we yes. are. So there's something happening this weekend, and you've brought along uh, Chris Boswell to tell us all about it. Thank you for joining us, Chris. Look, great to be able to talk to you about this. This is the Dogs in the Park event. Now, Chris, how did you start uh, this non for profit organisation? Uh, how I started it is from a passion where I wanted local dog events up on the central coast instead of heading down to Sydney. Yes. And also I was passionate about promoting the responsible ownership of dogs and stop dogs going into dog pound because mm-hmm. people can't afford to have them anymore. Yes, yes. And then you've spread into the Hunter region as well, like Newcastle and in the Valley. Newcastle, yeah, the Valley and all that, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So um, I think that's a great cause in terms of pet responsibility and also promoting the rescuing of dogs. So at your yep. event on Sunday, first of all, uh, I guess tell us where where it will be held and from what time. Okay, so it'll be held at Maitland Park, which is next to the swimming pool. Okay. Um, it starts at 10 o'clock and finishes at 2. Yep. And what kind of things will will people expect to see? What kind of a doggy event is it? Uh, so the doggy event is actually a little bit new this year. So we've got quite a few different new unique stalls coming in as well. Yes. Um, also, we've got some brand new competitions like Temptation Alley, where your dog has to get past the temptations to win the race. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. <laughs> it is oh, mean. So mean. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of temptations are there? Uh, there's dog treats, there's anything that dog will like, dog food on the floor. <laughs> and so they have to be the first one in to get through them, therefore not eating every bit of drop of dog food and treat. That's correct. Okay. Oh, that's hard. That's a I good would, one. I would fail at that if I was a dog. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and what about, uh, have you got some other educational things happening on the day or rescue organisations uh, there? Yes, we do. We have um, two new ticket uh, animal rescue. There's a new animal rescue that's coming in as well. Um, also, we've got quite a There's no demonstrations here due to COVID-19. Yes. So we had to um, dull it down a little bit because of the restrictions. Yes, so what are you doing in terms of, um, you know, the rules that we have to apply for? So everyone has to sign in on the register if okay. they've actually attended the event. There's a capacity limit of 150 on site. Okay. So people may have to wait to get into the venue. Okay, yeah. Uh, we've got COVID marshals walking around the venue. Also, with a hand sanitizer at every store and at every entry point and exit point. Mm-hmm. And also, people do get free giveaways during the day as well from our sponsors. 
Okay, fantastic. So it looks like lots to see and do, and we haven't been able to attend many events like this during COVID, so this no. must be one of the first now that things have opened up. Uh, this is the third one for the year. Third one for the year. Wow. <laughs> How often are they normally held? Uh, we normally hold about 16 a year. Wow. Okay. okay. Well, it sounds like every precaution's been put, put into place. It sounds like it's very well organised in terms of COVID safety. So yep. what a great yep. thing to do. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your time, Chris. So we're looking at Dogs in the Park at Maitland Park this Sunday on the 8th of November from 10am to 2pm. And you will need to register yourself when you enter. Yeah. Okay. So educational, but also a little bit of fun, Denny. So exactly. a bit of a social outing. That's I, right. I'm wondering if there might be some food. Food carts food there carts. as well. And there, there always are, usually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a coffee cart, of course. <laughs> a coffee cart. <laughs> oh, um, that's great. And be prepared to put your dog in one of the competitions. Yeah, you know, it's just not fair for, like, the Labradors and, you know, <laughs> the Golden Retrievers that are just so influenced by food, is it? <laughs> that's true. Oh, good times. Well, there you go. If you want more information, we'll put the link up on 2NURFM.com. Now, Paul, you said that kennel cough, there's a real surge in kennel cough at the moment? In career, um, this is the most we've ever seen. Uh, it's, it's, really? Yeah, so kennel cough is um, either a viral or a bacterial disease. So two um, culprits cause it. Um, you can vaccinate your dogs against it, but even this season, vaccinated dogs have been coming down with it as well. So um, we've been seeing eight or nine cases a day come through the practice. So just a heads up to everybody out there at the moment, we are sort of recommending a bit of sort of COVID-like protection for your dogs. Um, so avoid any of those sort of big off-lead parks at this stage. Um, it can be transmitted also by shared water bowls. Yeah. So... Um Paul, you're seeing eight or nine a day. Mm. For how many weeks now have you been seeing this? Oh, this will be our fourth week, I think, possibly. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, as I said to our, our staff, we haven't really seen this before. So we haven't um, uh, sort of an isolation policy. So when uh, a dog comes in with a history of coughing um, to the reception, reception plays that dog immediately. They wait outside and then they yeah. go into our isolation room and they come in to try and keep, keep our sort of waiting room quarantined. And we've had to timetable the appointments because there's been so many coming through to ensure we had the space available to to have those animals quarantined as they come through. So it's highly contagious. So it's airborne between the dogs as well. Correct, yeah. So it's transmitted by aerosol um, and... Jim, uh, so if you have a dog that is coughing, um, particularly um, the dogs we're seeing a lot of them are the younger puppies. We're seeing a lot of young pups come through it this yeah, season, which okay. is again unusual. Um, and it's, it sounds like a goose honking cough. It's it's not a productive cough, so there's not anything, anything coming up. But it's a real sort of you know goose honk cough. You won't you won't miss it. Yeah. Um, yes. And often it'll be stimulated by um, activity. So if your dog starts running or getting excited, the cough can be elicited. And also after drinking, it can be triggered as well. Fortunately, the, it is self-limiting. So if you are vaccinated against it, your, your pet won't die from it. Um, but we are cautious, obviously, for dogs who have underlying heart disease or respiratory conditions. Um, you can get secondary pneumonias and infections from being uh, affected by the virus or the bacteria. So, Paul, if uh, our dogs start to show signs of the, the goose-like cough... Mm. 
how long can we expect them to be unwell for? Do they go off their food? You know, there are other symptoms. Yeah, sure. So it, the incubation period is about four to seven days. So after that exposure time, the first sign you'll generally see is often a raspy voice or, or um, the, the, the cough. Um, and it's a tracheitis, so it's an inflammation of a trachea. So anything that puts pressure on the trachea, like pulling on a lead, you'll get this cough elicited. Now, the cough will can actually last for up to six months. It can be quite wow. a, a debilitating condition in certain cases. But generally, vaccinated dogs we're seeing have a, a turnaround of about uh, about a week or two. They are contagious while they're coughing, so we're certainly suggesting if you have got a dog with any cough, please keep that dog isolated. So potentially could be uh, contagious for six months if dogs are if coughing. If they were that coughing that long. long. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. The, the good news is it does seem to be the Bordetella, which is a, a bacteria, um, and so we're using docucycline quite effectively against that. So the dogs uh, who are treated with the antibiotics seem to be responding very quickly. So, um, yeah, we're lucky in that regard. But just be, be careful. It's one of those sorts of things that it is easy to prevent. Um, but sadly very easy to catch. And symptoms four to six days after contracting Correct. the yeah. virus. And, and you can get vomiting associated sometimes. They'll often do what's called a terminal retch. They'll cough, cough, cough. Um, and that, that, that gag reflex will often be triggered by the cough. And then um, occasionally you will get um, discharge from the nose or discharge from the eyes, so look out for anything like that as well. And, Paul, if we do start to see these signs, it's a case we need to go straight to the vets to get uh, treatment? It's, it's a good idea. In the, If it is the bacterial form, we can actually have that respond very nicely to antibiotics, so you can jump on that and get the disease under control easier. Okay, Paul, very interesting. Well, obviously not great, but it's good that, as you said, we are vaccinated so yep. we can, um, you know, the, the symptoms won't be as bad. Correct. All right, 49216216 is our number. Let's go to the phone lines. Rebecca from Windale, uh, your dog's got a problem at the moment with the joints in its back legs? Yeah, just one back leg. Um, it just seems to have popped out. And my daughter, um, we took her a little out to the vet at Mount Hutton last year and we were waiting in the waiting room I had let the lady behind the counter know and before we even got to go in it had gone back into place mm-hmm. um, and I'm just wondering is that common, um, it happened yesterday and it just hasn't gone back in yet. Yeah sure, so uh, did, I, did you say Rebecca that it's a chihuahua that you have? Yes. Yes. So chihuahuas very commonly have a condition called luxating patellas, where your knee bone, um, which runs in a little groove along your along your femur, the groove isn't deep enough. And so what often happens with these little dogs is that the patella, the knee bone, can pop in and out. Um, so what the patella does, it's, it's uh, a bone that tries to keep the stifle joint, your knee, stable. And so when it pops out, the, the joint itself becomes unstable, and so the dog then will limp on that leg. And you'll often see in parks, little dogs like Jack Russell's, who are often very prone to this as well, they'll do those sort of run, run, skip, skip, skip on one leg, and then it'll pop back in again. So luxating patellas are very common. They're congenitally... Um, you, you get them as a congenital issue. You can get traumatic patella luxations as well, where if, a, if an injury to the joint has occurred, the, the little patella ligaments can tear. Um, so... For lots of dogs, we grade them one to four. So a grade one luxating patella pops out intermittently. Um, and so therefore we tend to not do a great deal with those. And grade two, often we, we don't do a lot if you can if a dog's not being affected by it. But often when we get to sort of the grade three or the grade four where the, the actual 
joint isn't working anymore because the patella can't stay back in the groove normally, um, you have that surgically corrected. And the procedure is really that you, you just make the groove deeper in the bone. So the patella is sort of locked in either side by those bony ridges and you tighten up the cruciate um, area and, and the sort of a joint tissue around that to sort of lock that patella in place. Okay, that's really well explained for me because I can't seem to slow him down. He's not slowed down at all. Like my, <laughs> my, yeah, like my, my couch is well over half a metre high and the, the pulse even higher um, than that. And he's just in my bed and I just, yeah, like I said, I can't slow him down and I can see that it's out. Yeah, so like what you how, can how, probably how, do, Rebecca, is if you extend the leg really straight... Um, what that'll do is it loosens up the ligaments either side of the patella and you can often pop them back into the groove with the leg extended out straight. You generally won't be able to pop it back in with the knee bent. So um, often in these circumstances where it may be that it's, it's not able to, it's, it's been trapped and can't get back in, if you extend the leg straight and, and then you'll feel it flip under your finger and you can often pop it back into the groove in that way. Is that a painful process? Generally, the, the, no. Okay. It's actually more painful when it's out yeah, than when right. it's in. Um, often popping them back in. And often in these little dogs where it's happening quite a lot, the groove is so shallow that it, they sort of, uh, almost popping it out as they're moving their knee for a general walk. So, um, but certainly it does um, worsen arthritis. Right. So if you have got that luxating patella over a long period of time, it's almost a guarantee that that joint will sadly develop arthritis. Did you say there was surgery? Correct. To correct that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And I recommend people that having having quite common luxation for their dogs to have a surgery done. It, it's very effective and it will remove that risk of, will reduce the risk of arthritis long term. Paul, it's that time of the year. You're seeing a lot of dogs coming in with, uh, with ticks. ticks poisoning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so dear. the weather this last week has been perfect for them. So ticks like a bit of rain, a bit, a bit of heat, a bit of rain, a bit of heat, and so it's been ideal. So um, disappointingly, we've had them on oxygen this week. Um, they've, they've come in quite advanced. Wow. So it does seem... Often the ticks we get early in the season seem to be often the most toxic of the season. So, oh, I wonder yeah, why Yeah, I'm not is. quite sure that why that is the case. Yeah. There, there are certainly different strains of tick, even though there's only the one sort of variety as far as species, there's lots of strains in that. And I think we do see different toxicities based on those different strains. But we always find whoever wakes up first and gets them this time of year, those ticks are the ones that, you know, pack the real punch. And, you know, it's a great reminder because we hear that, you know, we should be keeping our dogs um, up to date with, with tick medication preventions yep. far better than cure. But we do, you know, I know I had to do the reminder. It was only last week where I went, oh, I'm pretty sure Gizzy's overdue. So quickly, you know, gave the medication, set the reminder well done. into the phone. But, yeah, we do. Sometimes we do get a bit relaxed over winter yeah, when and we're Yeah, and we used out. to I sort of think about the tick season really extending from only September through to March. Um but to be honest, we, we've been seeing them at all times of the year now, so we don't really even talk about a season so much. And because some of the newer drugs coming through have tick included in them with their heartworm and intestinal worm and flea control, it's much easier now to prevent ticks because those products are all you know, in an all-in-one situation. Yeah, and we just don't want to see it because I guess it can be – well, they can be fatal anyway. Absolutely. But for an older dog that may have heart conditions like in, my dog exactly. or a puppy, you know, there could it really could be detrimental. And, and we even 
see um, species differences. So Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, for example, are extremely a- a reactive to ticks. Wow. And so um, they're the guys who generally fall very quickly um, and, and often require oxygenation because they, they seem to have a genetic predisposition to the effects of ticks. So um, really what to look for in particular also is that don't just think of them as paralysis Think about them also causing paralysis of the esophagus and the airways. So people sort of know the classic uh, wobbly back legs, drunken yes. gait. Yes. Um, but they often have missed things like vomiting or retching because um, often what's happening with these guys is their esophagus is becoming dysfunctional as well. And so um, if you've got a vomiting dog at this time of year, also make sure you're doing a, ch- a tick check as well because it won't always be the legs that go first. So, Paul, how long in terms of hours will dogs start reacting once they get a tick? Once the tick's attached? Yeah, it can be very short time period. We can do a couple of hours and the, really? and the signs can occur. Because what's happening is the tick um, in, injects as it's feeding. And so the toxins there, I guess, uh, as an evolutionary thing, is to keep the animal fairly still and quiet while they do their feeding, then they drop off. Um, and so what, what you've got often is that the signs are very quick because the tick wants to get that job done quickly as well. So it can be a very short time period. Um, cats, again, often people think cats are immune to ticks. Yeah. But our, our worst case this week is a, is a poor little black cat who, oh. who's had tick paralysis. Um, and again, that cat was fine the day before um, and then was unable to move and breathe the next day. So it's it's really a very short time we're talking about. So at the earliest sign of any evidence of tick disease, see a vet. See a vet, yep. Yeah. And, and even when you do check over your pets, quite often we're not going to find the tick. They can be quite oh, small. They're very clever. Um they, they sort of seek out the carbon dioxide that you're breathing out. So they often will focus around the nose. And for lots of our lovely cute dogs, they're as fluffy as Spot. Yes. Those big whiskered schnauzers, for example, or yes. the, you know, the German Shepherds with those big, big muzzles. So it's looking, you really don't look very hard for these ticks. Often they won't be easy to find. And, um, uh, you know, Cheryl would be here to, to give us the heads up as well. Having a really long haired dog clipped at this time of year, not just for heat, but for tick investigation, is a really clever idea. We've often got to clip the dogs when they come through to find them. It is a good idea. Um, and is it true, Paul, that you shouldn't give them water if you think they're suffering from tick a Yeah. Tick the reason being often is if you've got... Um, if your esophagus can't swallow correctly, if you can't get that water from the mouth to the stomach, you can inhale it, and so it ends up in your lungs. So one of the common things we get as a secondary side effect of tick disease is a, a syndrome called aspiration pneumonia, where oh. they've actually inhaled either their food or their water because they don't have that proper gag reflex. And, ah, so mm. no water, straight straight to we, the vets then. We place them on IV fluids to try and prevent that dehydration that can occur from them. Um, the tick serum is, is, is injected, obviously, IV to try and get that into the system. You need to give tick serum slowly as well. You can get anaphylactic reactions if you give tick serum too quickly. So it's a it's quite a, a process to ensure that. So I, I strongly recommend, as you already astutely said, prevention is far better than cure. And, Paul, what about people that have found the tick, have yep. pulled the tick out and think, all right, my dog seems okay or my cat seems okay, yep. yay or nay? Yeah, so I tend to suggest them to keep an eye on. There, there, there are also bush ticks as well as paralysis ticks. So people often um, have removed a tick. Um, it's always good if you do move one, pop into your local vet and have that checked to make sure that it is not a paralysis tick. Yep. Um, so some dogs, even though the tick's been removed, the toxin will still be in the, in the system. So please just don't sort of let your dog go away for the day and come back 
um, and think it'll be fine because often it won't be. Okay, really, really good advice. Now let's have a look at our dog of the week and we're introducing you today to Bob. Hey, Bob the Beagle. <laughs> uh, Bob the Beagle. Oh, he's a cutie. He's a five-year-old purebred beagle who is full of love to give. Perfect companion who is happiest to be snuggled up and spending time <laughs> with you. He does look like a bit of a smoocher as well. He's your typical beagle, so he sniffs his way through life. He's very scent-driven. Could you imagine they all are. Bob on a walk? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's an age thing, but Gizmo want to walk these days. Oh my god, he sniffs everything. Yeah, and remembering that's like reading the newspaper for dogs. Yeah. So what yes. they're doing is they're working out who's gone past, what's been happening, what the neighbours have been up to, because that's their sort of their chance when they're out of the house to sort of smell smell their neighbourhood, who's been around. So you should let them have a few sniffs along the way, shouldn't you? Yeah. It's too look, cool I, to I go, think come on. Let's I think go. it's really important is that we have. I think a walk is both for you and the dog, and so yes, they need the exercise, but. Having a sniff and, and sort of investigating who's been around is equally as important. I like that. It's like reading the newspaper. Reading the newspaper. That's a really great thing to say. Uh, with Bob, due to his breed, he needs to be in an active home where he will be regularly walked and mm-hmm. stimulated. Beagles and as you are said, busy, busy dogs. And he'll love to have a sniff along the way, so let him do that. Uh, he's looking for a home where he'll be allowed indoors most of the time, although he does do okay outside if you need to leave him for short periods of time. Can be a bit of an escape artist. Once again, secure fencing, I think. Think we know that Bob is currently not dissexed, uh, but he has shown no signs of aggression towards male dogs or food aggression. Obviously, if you want to adopt uh, Bob, he will be dissexed before yeah. he, he can go into your care. But look, he looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And um, if you want to check him out, you can find him on Two N U R F M's website, which is Two N U R F M dot com. Things about beagles, Dr. Paul, if people well, are thinking of adopting. Yeah, and, and since we've just spoken about ticks, tick serum actually that we use in veterinary practice is made from hyper-sensitised um, beagles. So really? yeah, what does that mean exactly? so they they actually put ticks on the dogs for short time periods so that they develop a, an anti serum to the toxin, um, and oh. generally they're beagles that they use for that process. So really? yeah, interesting that we had that that link today. So um, beagles are really busy dogs, so I always invest, recommend if you if you're taking on a beagle, remember that. They they don't mean to be annoying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> They're they, the Karens of the world. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, especially to my auntie Karen. Beautiful. Yeah, so they are going to require a fair bit of um, discipline control because that nose really does drive their world. Okay. And so it, it's often those people get very frustrated. Their beagle's not listening to them. But they, they are listening, but they're also sniffing their world at the same time. So it's about getting that attention back to you. Um, of course, they're very food motivated as well. Yeah. So often training with food's a great idea for beagles. But they're quite long-lived breeds for a medium-sized dog um, and generally fairly hardy. Okay. Well, they're just beautiful. Make sure you go check it out. And, Paul, that's just about it for us today. It's flown by. It has, as always. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.